Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Zafonzo Davies, treble winner, and you're listening to Ranks FC. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC, your favourite football podcast. We are back for another week. My name is Jack Collins, and I'm joined by Mr. Sam Ty, the Rank God. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. And, of course, a transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, Jack. Hello, Dean. A brilliant win for Fulham. We are happy this morning. We're back. Back in the Premier League. We're back to winning. Lovely feeling, wasn't it? Actually celebrated a goal that mattered. Amazing. Incredible. Incredible scenes for everyone. I mean, aside from Sam, but I assume he was just pleased for the two of us, really. I was genuinely quite happy for you. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. How are we doing? You good? Yeah, not bad. Well rested. Happy. Healthy. What more could you ask for? Exactly. And a good weekend of football. And I'm going to let you start us off with what you love this weekend. Yeah, it's something I've been I've been loving for a couple of weeks actually, and I'm going to keep this short and sweet uh, because it might uh, it has it's in danger of actually developing to a bit of a love letter. But our our friend of the pod, our favourite João Felix, is just brilliant, and I think he is probably playing the best football of his career right now. And what we saw in the summer when he came on against Leipzig, do you remember when Atletico got knocked out of the Champions League in the Lisbon format? He just quite obviously had the spark and the little something that Atletico was so often missing. And whether or not he's gained Simeone's trust in full for the start of this season, because he's obviously barged his way into this team on more of a full-time basis, or whether it's just that the little niggling injuries have cleared up and that's allowed him to really show and express himself. But man, I mean, what he did against Granada a couple of weeks ago, I remember for all the wrong reasons. But what he did against Salzburg in the Champions League, I remember for all the right reasons. And he's just this little bundle of joy. And now he's playing to his full potential, playing with that confidence, playing fit. It's just fantastic to watch. And for those of you that don't really like watching Atletico for obvious reasons, that the, the, the clear tropes over the years, have, they've been valid. They can be quite defensive. They've been a bit different this year. And this guy is one of the main reasons why. So I'm going to end it there and say Felix is, is playing the best football of his career. And right now, if he carries on like this, like... Those lingering doubts about the transfer fee and the fit, they'll go away. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you say the best football of his career, but I, I think it's a return to the heady days of of what he was doing at Benfica, but perhaps in a in a slightly superior league. And that in itself, you know, speaks speaks to it because he has refound refound that kind of mojo, if you will, and, and refound that trust. And you know, it's it's enjoyable, isn't it? When you play, see a player play like that, it's joyful. And I and I like joyful things. Yes, you yeah. do, Jack. And so do I, by the way. That performance against Salzburg was lovely, wasn't it? I mean, I think one of you said, actually, one of the pods, to, to make sure you see that game. Um, I hadn't actually seen it at that point. So I went back and, and watched it at the weekend um, in its entirety. And Felix's performance was unreal. It was so nice to watch, like you say. So I will be watching a lot more at Atletico Madrid. Yeah, I mean, I put them in a, in a you-must-love a couple of weeks back when I was like, this new look Atleti uh, are sensational. And then they 
proceeded to draw three games, one, one, nil, nil, one, one, which is, <laughs> which is always not that useful once you've made a statement like, oh, they're going to blow teams away. They're going to blow teams out of the water. But we are starting to see a little bit more of that. Dina, I'll chuck it to you. What's your, what did you love this weekend? Well, what I loved actually happened on Monday and it was Leicester absolutely blitzing Bielsa's leads. They could have fallen behind in about 30 seconds or something ridiculous, um, but they got away with it and then went straight up the other end and scored and ended up winning 4-1 at Leeds. And it's no coincidence because Leicester are, they are the real deal. And I think it's what's funny is that we talk about Champions League places and finishing in the top four and we're like, oh, how high can Tottenham finish? Can Tottenham challenge for the top two? Can they compete with Liverpool and City? Where do Man United fit in? Where do Chelsea fit into that? Arsenal could be squeezing in there. What about Wolves? And it's like, hang on, the team that's definitely going to finish top four is Leicester because they're brilliant. <laughs> um, and, and it's true. Like You look at what, what Brendan Rodgers is able to get out of every individual in his squad. And it's just unbelievable. They had quite a few players missing for that Leeds game. But he... He's found a formation and a way to get everybody at their best and also, most importantly, getting Vardy playing his best. Jamie Vardy's a phenomenal footballer. Mm. And I really do think that he does come into that underrated category, certainly by me, because I've written him off like four, five, six times over the, over the course of the last five years, thinking, oh, it must be a fluke. He's not that great at football. He's brilliant, isn't he? He really is brilliant at what he does. Absolutely. Um, He's a kryptonite to the... Pep Guardiola, Marcelo Bielsa, isn't he? The style. Yeah. It's, it's City and Leeds now have basically been slain by this one specific type of player in Jamie Vardy that they just physically cannot handle. And yeah. he he has stood the test of time. We talked about last week, me, me, me talking about, you know, having to finally come round to respecting Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for what he does. And it's that standing the test of time and Vardy really isn't that different. No, no, I don't think so. He broke Ryan Giggs' scoring record in the Premier League yesterday. And considering how long Ryan Giggs was in the Premier League, that in itself is, is a magnificent achievement. But he just keeps going, doesn't he? And we, we talked about Zlatan and obviously we've talked about Cristiano and, and Lionel Messi and players that have played you know deep into their 30s. And Jamie Vardy just isn't going away. And I think no. that incredibly, you know, Brendan Rodgers has missed him when he's been out with this little injury. And, and, and perhaps that's the only caveat to the statement that Leicester are genuine you know contenders here because I think that if Vardy was to get long-term injured it, it looks like Leicester have struggled without him and, and they do kind of rely on on his pace on his power on and on his ability to finish so yeah. much that when he is out of this side they do look a little bit weaker and, and and that's not a thing to be you know sniffed at it's you know your, your best goal scorer being out of the side of course you're going to look weaker but yeah. equally there is a worry that there is no replacement even Kelechi Iheanacho who I, who I think is excellent and I really do rate just hasn't been able to make the same impact that they're also very different though, aren't into. They? yeah absolutely. very different absolutely like, it's not it's not fair to ask Kelechi to do what Vardy does Kelechi's closer to Madison nowadays than, than Vardy. Have you noticed? Yeah. He basically tries to play as a number 10. He keeps dropping into pockets, play between the lines, try and link play, which is all well and good. They've got Madison, they've got Dennis Pratt. They've got other players that are also doing that. And the Leicester team feels really imbalanced. That's the one, one area that Brendan Rodgers hasn't really quite been able to address so far, which is getting that actual replacement for Vardy. And like, obviously, as you say, like it's not exactly easy, but yeah. he doesn't have a similar sprinting off the shoulder number nine 
There are a few of them these days, aren't there? That that role is becoming more and more reduced, especially now you look at VAR. And I said it about Mason Greenwood's goal in the Champions League the other week, that I was delighted that that was called onside, even if it was inconsistent with other offsides, because I think we're losing the ability to play an off-the-shoulder runner. And because, you know, those things were always supposed to go in the in the attacker's favour, where those marginal calls and the fact that they haven't done. And you look at Sadio Mane's in the game where Everton played Liverpool and Jordan Henderson scored off the back of it. And that was a judged offside. And it's the kind of you can't run off the shoulder if you think that everything off the shoulder is going to be offside. So I think those players are, are dying out a little bit. And, and hopefully VAR doesn't contribute to that because I think it might well be at this point. Where Vardy's been quite... I don't know if it's luck or or what, if it's his decision-making that's led to this. I mean, maybe it helps that he's retired from international football reasonably early, but he's 33 now, but he doesn't actually seem to have lost much pace. And what he has gained is a smartness to his play that he probably didn't have a few years ago when he could just rely on getting in into those spaces, you know, the pre-VAR days, if you like. Um, but now there is that intelligence. And it, there are even some games for Leicester. I remember one game right at the start of the season, and Vardy, I don't think, had touched the ball. And they, they put like his touch map off and it was pretty much like kickoff. He touched it and then he hadn't touched it for the rest of the half or something ridiculous like that. I think he scored two goals in that game because once the chances did arrive at his feet, gets the penalty, is in the right place at the right time. He's just got this knack of scoring goals. And I think that that intelligence does make him pretty much irreplaceable because there aren't players that have got all those traits and can fit in with this team. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how far Brendan Rodgers can take him this season. The Vardy oh, yeah. replacement, like ultimately, if you'd have asked me in the summer, like Sam, who's the best player that you could f- you could find to replace Vardy like that? The answer probably would be Victor Ozyman. I thought you were going to say who, that. Who is an £80 million striker. So <laughs> yeah, sorry, but he's actually in the market. He's worth more than Vardy. So that's how difficult the task is of getting another Vardy. I don't mean to sort of criticise Leicester for that. It's just, it's so hard. Yeah, it's just a, it's just an impossible task in many ways, in many ways. But the other thing there that you mentioned, Dean, and, and you spoke about it a couple of weeks back when you were talking about Pep Guardiola and whether he'd sign a new contract with City was that Brendan Rodgers is is someone in that frame for if, if Pep does go. And I, I think what he's doing with this Leicester side, and, and as you said right at the beginning there, you know, the fact that he's drawing so much out of each individual within this side does, I think, make him an elite manager. And I've been saying this for a long time, but it's one of those things where I think Brendan Rodgers is never given the the respect he's potentially due uh, on being an absolute top-level manager. Yeah, it's true. I saw that um, Henry Winter actually tweeted, um, he's like, a tactical masterclass from Rodgers, uh, outwitted Bielsa, good displays from Fafana, who was class, T. Elements and Barnes were excellent, Vardy is peerless, Albrighton is tireless, Fuchs is ageless, and, it, and it's true. Like, was, just... he, was this all? Those are ridiculous things to say, by the way. <laughs> I know, but it, it's it's um, there are every character you look at in that in that Leicester squad does have a different trait, which is so impressive. Like they're all quite as individuals. You're like, okay, where would this player fit in in this team? Where would this player fit? And you bring them all together, and you're like. Jesus, I yeah. Thought it was funny set up. Yeah, I think it's absolutely right, and and it's, it's there's there's truth in that. Obviously, the those those statements, like you say, Sam, are, are a little bit far fetched in, in some ways. But I think if you look back at just the game against Arsenal, where the Rod, the Rogers masterclass was in full force again, you know, he knew he only had Vardy for thirty minutes, so he kept Leicester as compact as they could possibly be for sixty minutes for an hour, and then brought Vardy on and 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 took Arsenal away in the last thirty minutes. And we've praised Mikel Arteta 
relentlessly and and have done again this weekend because he was excellent in his Arsenal side were, were almost flawless against Manchester United I thought but for, for Rodgers to go and, and completely and utterly outclass someone like Arteta who's well on his way up I think in terms of where where people are, are respecting him is to show just how good a manager Brendan Rodgers is and on that note we'll uh, we'll move on to the last thing I love which is this week Real Sociedad and now Real Sociedad are Ah, joyful. And, and we've mentioned this word already today, but top of the Liga, four league wins out in a row, 14 scored in those games and just two conceded. It's, you know, it's well fun over Anoeta at the moment. And everyone is just playing absolutely beautifully. Oyazabal scored two at the weekend and, and just phenomenal performance again from him. And Porto's been playing excellent. Monreal's found a new lease of life at left back. Even like Janazai is in there making waves. And then David Silva just pulling strings in the middle, scored his first goal for the club this weekend. He got a glancing header and we tweeted off the rank squad account that no one thought that David Silva's first goal for El Sociedad would be a glancing header into the corner, but it was so deft and so like, so sweetly executed. You're like, ah, it feels David Silva, even if it's a header and that in itself is just phenomenal. Look, they're just such an enjoyable side to watch. And, you know, the last four wins haven't been, you know, just kind of, Oh, we, we've snuck past teams. They drew twice to start the season. But since then, you know, they have 3-0 victories against Hatafe and, and my own Betis. And then 4-1 demolitions, if you will, uh, of Huesca and, and Celta. And it, it just felt like they were so in control from minute one of that game against Celta at the weekend. And it, it's just, as a side to watch, as, as a neutral, Sociedad are right up there with the best in Europe. And they're right up there with your Atalantas and your Sassuolos, really, who have been phenomenal this season. But Sociedad have just been exceptional. And I, I would urge everyone who can to watch as much Sociedad as they can in the league. I know they got, you know, ground out by Gattuso's, Gattuso's Napoli in, in the Europa League last week. But domestically, they've just been, they've just been flawless. I'm getting deja vu, though. Didn't we recommend that people did this? after the restart and they were rubbish do you remember we were like we the did. one team you have to start watching is Sociedad they got this when it's terrible run they did not enjoy the restarted period but they no. have enjoyed the restart of this season and I mean look then I'm not suggesting that Sociedad are going to win the league but they are top of the re- they are top of the league for a they reason might, the way things are going they are top of the league for a reason and they've just been such an enjoyable watch such enjoyable viewing that, that I couldn't recommend them enough mm, nice um, so that's pretty much it for our things we love section. And next, Sam is going to be ranking the best dead ball specialists in Europe, which is a pretty arduous task that we've laid on you there, Sam. I've been working hard at it. Doesn't get any easier week to week, does it, boys? The tasks you set me, uh, yeah. I gave it my best. Fantastic. Right, well, we'll be back after the break. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time to rank the set piece takers across Europe. Now, Sam, this is not easy, but I, I test it. You've you've given a, a good go. Yeah, never easy, but I'll always give it my best for you guys. And um, I had a long list of 15, shortened down to 10. Then I had seven that I really wanted to include in the top five. And I have, of course, dutifully reduced it down to a top five and ranked them for you. So we'll have some honourable mentions at the end. And there are some names that you are probably going to think deserve to be in this top I five. I think you might need to start with honourable mentions on. here, mate. No, 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 no. The suspense is key. The suspense is key. All right. All right. You'll, fi- you'll, you'll, you'll quickly realise who I've left out. And it's, um, yeah, you may not agree. But okay. best set Let's piece takers in Europe. So look, this is 
ultimately, this is about free kicks, penalties and corners. I really haven't included throw-ins in here because that's boring. Or goal kicks. And, and goal kicks definitely didn't get a mention either. That would be ridiculous. Although, to be fair, if we were doing this in South America and it was 10 years ago, the goal kicks plus free kicks and penalties would probably get you a nice cast of goal keep- goalkeepers, mm, right? Yeah. But this is only in Europe because my reach and my vision only extends so far. But number five, I have gone with Joshua Kimmich at Bayern Munich. Okay. And yeah. it's a name that I did not expect when I was thinking this, thinking about this in my head. I did not expect to see Kimmich in my top five, but thought about it a bit more. And Bayern have been brilliant from set pieces over the course of 2020, but well, basically since Hansi Flick was placed in charge. And yeah, they've got some big guys in there. Sula's about the size of three men alone. And uh, Lewandowski's lethal from corners. And Pavard is also a real threat. But really, it obviously takes a good delivery as well. And Kimmich is one of the key reasons why Bayern are so good from set pieces. And this is a thing that's going to come up for a few players. But ball striking is obviously a very transferable skill between open play and set play, right? And when you watch these wonderful passes that Kimmich lofts in behind defences and picks out attackers with, it's really no surprise that when he's given free kick duties and dead balls, he basically does the same thing. His passing technique is gorgeous. And when it comes to Lewandowski and Pavard, he makes them particularly dangerous in the box. He doesn't really take a pop at goal very often, which is why he's a very, it's a kind of like a non-obvious candidate for this. You don't see many Kinnick screamers into the top corner, but from wider angles, there are not many better. There are very few better in terms of consistency of delivery. And I think he might be one of the, if not the best, then one of the best corner takers in, yeah. in world football. Because he is unbelievably consistent from the corner. So throughout this process where I was trying to figure out my top five, I invented an algorithm called the Terra Test. And this is a Santai patented uh, creation. And it is essentially a measure of how terrified I would be as a goalkeeper standing on my goal line or just in front of it as player X steps up and hovers over a dead ball. And Josh Kimmich registered at 7 out of 10 on the terror test because he's not a direct shooting threat, but he is a serious threat from wider angles and an absolutely brilliant and consistent corner taker. So he's only a 7 because he's not really liable to shoot. Uh But consistency carries him through and the delivery is so, so good. It's quite a rogue shout. You know, obviously when you say set piece takers, everybody thinks immediately of people whipping one into the top corner from, you know, from 30 yards and, and mm. Kimmich isn't that player. Mm. But I think this is an interesting, an interesting angle you've gone down. And I suppose angles are the key here anyway, because uh, the way that you, you set that up, but yeah. it's it, it's definitely something that I think isn't given enough due consideration and, and how, how many things are created from you know so because you're much more likely in realistically to get a free kick wide or 30 yards out you know on on the touchline than you are to have one center of the pitch 25 yards out with with a direct route to goal and in that regard actually the amount of free the amount of kind of chances that Kimmich probably creates from these does probably put him into this category I I was I was really really excited to disagree with this and um, and I'm struggling which is um (laughs) Which is one really annoying, and two, you know, a testament to you actually having done some research, which makes a change. Yeah, I can't believe you come up with your own meter. That's brilliant. Yeah, well yeah. done, mate. Well Got done. A lot of time in your hands. Don't yeah, exactly. Put too, too, too much faith in it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but into right. number four, um, and this is basically the reason we're sat here talking about this today. It is James Ward Prowse of Southampton, 
And after what he did to Aston Villa on Sunday, it's probably it, it definitely sparked a couple of questions uh, for our for our post box on Monday. We had two or three different people asking about the value of set piece takers and about James Ward Prowse in particular. And uh, rather than answer those on the Patreon post box, we thought we'd, we'd save it for a ranking. So uh, thank you to those that that asked that question. You did our you did our work for us this week in terms of a topic, but <laughs> you know you didn't come up with a terror test, so that's no. that bit's all Sam. Yeah, absolutely. This is the unique value we offer to the market. Um, look, War Prowse's delivery has been a problem for years and years. He's basically been the starter since about two thousand and like fourteen or something like that. Definitely, Pochettino brought him in in the Premier League, and he used to play him on the right or at least on the right central midfield spot and moving out to the right because for all the good football they played, War Prowse crossing to Ricky Lambert was essentially one of their main routes to goal. And they weren't ashamed to do it. In fact, it was, it was people just couldn't deal with it at all. And this is that transferable element, again, like with Kimmich. Like, the way Ward-Prowse crosses is the way that he, he strikes the ball when he crosses from a, from a free kick. And you may be surprised to know, but he only has seven free kick goals in senior football. And two of them came on Sunday, which feels low, doesn't it? It does to a it point, um, aside from I know that the, the Southampton free kick record was held by Matt Letizier, who is known now more potentially for his you know strange political views than his, his magical footballing technique. But he was some footballer, Matt Letizier, and his free kicks involved that weird repertoire where he managed to flick the ball up to himself and volley it into, into the top corner. And, and I think that he's quite widely recognised as one of the great free kick takers. And for him to only have scored seven at Southampton, a club where he spent his entire career, I think it's probably testament to the fact that you don't score that many free kicks unless you're Lionel Messi, basically. So it is one of those things where eight is doesn't sound that many, but it's actually loads. Yeah, I, don't, I still struggle to wrap my head around that a little bit. Eight just still doesn't feel like a lot in, in, in total, does it? After what? taking free kicks for essentially six or seven years. But yeah, these are difficult chances to bury. And um, maybe he pulled in a few chips on Sunday. I don't know. But those, man, those 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 deliveries, the way he struck that second one from close range, the body contortion he got on it was incredible. And with War Prowse, it really is all about whip, um, which is like <laughs> the consistency of the delivery is huge. But the whip and the flat trajectory makes them really, really difficult to defend. And I remember I used to watch Ashley Young do this quite a lot as well. His corners and free kicks, the very low flat ones, they were like missiles. They were so difficult to defend. And Will Prowse has got a similar technique. And Southampton's defenders, or big big lads like Yannick Vestergaard, I got one at the weekend. Vestergaard should be in double figures for Southampton over the last couple of years, to be honest. He's missed so many chances that Will Prowse has just handed to him. The value that he brings on that dead ball is incredible. And on the terror test, he scored an eight. Oh. So you know it's going to be a good delivery. You know it's going to have whip from wide or you know it's going to be arrowed towards the goal from a central position. And no matter the angle, he is going to put you under a lot of pressure. I initially thought that the the goal tally maybe wasn't so great, but your comparative statistics there made me think that I may have been a slightly harsh on that tally. But it, it was a solid eight. Not quite enough for a nine. Mm. It's interesting because last week you obviously got a bit of slack, didn't you, about... Um... James Ward-Prowse and how low you put him as a captain in terms of talent. Here you are this week, bigging him up. Well, these are different things, aren't they, Dean? <laughs> these are different things. I mean, I may have been a little bit harsh on, on Ward-Prowse. It didn't help me that he came in with a man of the match report performance literally the next game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's how it works sometimes. To be fair, though, do you know what, actually? I saw a quote um, after that game. Uh, Hasenhutl spoke about him and he said, it's no coincidence he's our captain. 
He's our role model for what we stand for. He's an unbelievable fighter for the team. That's not talent, is it? That's not talent. That's why you're down the list, mate. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, on that bombshell, off. three. Right, and number three, this may have gone a little bit forgotten over the last year or so, partially because people have been piling on him for, I think, no real reason at all, and partially because he's actually fallen, he fell down the free-kick pecking order at his club. It's Miralem Pjanic, yeah. who is noted excellent set piece taker but since the arrival of Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus wasn't really allowed to take that many and that's hilarious because Ronaldo missed so many chances <laughs> and so many free kicks in a row he went months and months and months without scoring Pjanic is right there he's always been a better set piece taker than Ronaldo in my opinion and he has that overall repertoire but he got pushed down the set piece order and well Barcelona can now basically enjoy this if they want to give him the set pieces again, well, this is kind, it. He moved he's kind of the... gone to another club where he might not get to take them. He perhaps moved to the only club in world football that he wouldn't take free kicks at from oh. apart from the one he was currently at, which is insane considering how yeah. good the man is on a dead ball. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a it's a real shame. But Pjanic has, again, that consistency of delivery. Um, he scored, I think he probably hit his prime at Roma, didn't he, for free kicks in terms of goals. He scored a quite, a few, quite a few from distance for Roma. Nice, flat, solid hit. And the cross is good. The technique is good. The consistency is good. And he also takes clever ones as well because he's able to, to kind of shape his body and contort his body in a way that can really fully disguise what he's about to do. And he can look like he's about to try and knock it top corner from 25 yards and then immediately kind of convert and knock it sideways for like a trick free kick. And that's mm. a valuable trait in itself, putting a defense off balance. One of the, his final free kicks for Juve before he joined Barca, he did exactly that. Looked to shoot from 20 yards and just passed it sideways in a way that you didn't think was physically possible from the way his body was moving. I gave him an eight on the terror test, same as Ward Prowse, but just nudged him up a little bit. I don't know if that's because it's the big name, big club bias or, or, or what, but I feel like Pjanic is probably more established as a set-piece threat than James Ward-Prowse, ever so slightly. Yeah. yeah. Probably think... got it on bigger stages as well, maybe. Um, I think what I like about him, actually, is quite often he doesn't have much of a run-up, does he? No. Um, he kind of just stands just beside the ball, maybe two steps away, and just knows where he's going to get it. Sometimes, as you say, he'll be more flat and it'll like, go towards the top, but he's also got that ability to do like a whip-dip, where it goes up and whip down. Dip. <laughs> a whip-dip. So he whips it around the ball and then down very quickly. A whip dip. Whip dip. That's what. That's what. Uh, Pjanic, <laughs> that's why Pjanic has got the edge on Ward Prowse. Ward Prowse can't do a whip dip. That's it. Well, I mean, I think everyone's had a bit too many dib dabs. Is what it sounds like <laughs> from here. And but it's, it's one of those where look. If you said and you talked about you know James Ward Prowse's record, Pjanic has twenty-one free kicks he scored, right? Um, but twelve of those have come in the last five seasons. So if you look at that and you compare it to James Ward-Prowse, who's probably only been, you know, really a, a full-time starter for five, six years, right? Mm. And you look at that, then then 12 against eight, and we're talking about one of, you know, the best in the world here in Miralem Pjanic, is, is, is not bad. It's not bad going, if, if you will. Yeah. I'd actually forgotten that Pjanic was this good, to be honest, because it's been a while. <laughs> I, I it wasn't expecting to be on the list, but he absolutely should be. I like this. That's a good shout. He's though. not allowed to take them anymore, unfortunately, Dean. Um, but no. so, Jack, you're saying that I've got these the right way around on the stats? I think so. I think so. But the stats back you up. Um, okay. But okay. it is, I think, it, you know, the, the other thing is how you look at 
where where Pjanic is getting these free kicks from and you're, you're looking at Juventus especially you know they've been good at winning free kicks in good areas and you'd imagine that Southampton are probably less prolific at actually getting those getting those free kicks in dangerous areas for War Prowse to be whip dipping into the top bin <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, it. isn't it? This I is love thing. it. Whip dipping into the top bins. Right. Okay. Into number two, then. And this is where I have placed Lionel Messi. Okay. That's mm-hmm. num- this is big. At number two, um, he got a solid, uh, no, not solid, is it? it's an exceptional nine out of 10 on the terror rating. And I could be convinced over a couple of pints to, 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 to see that rise to 9.5 out of 10 because he really is terrifying standing over that dead ball. It doesn't really matter the the angle or the range. Um, as soon as he steps up, you are absolutely terrified. I think what really pulled me away from putting Messi number one was, well, two things. The obvious brilliance of our number one. And number two is that he has a mixed record with penalties over the years. And you get the feeling that Messi should just be quite a lot better at penalties than he really is. Because of the pure way that he strikes the ball, the, the, the resounding technique that he has, and his elite quality, and his, his just raw consistency, it always baffled me. It's got a bit better later down the years, but maybe four years ago or so, baffled me that he seemed to miss about half his penalties. And look, it's tight at the top. We're talking about some serious dead ball maestros here, and that, I think, ultimately has kind of cost him. But he's definitely top five, definitely top two, really, because... You only have to think back to what the one he scored against Liverpool in that 3-0 win. Like, that was just ridiculous. Absolutely. And against Allison of all goalkeepers as well. Just crazy stuff. He can do stuff that almost no one else can. 46 free kicks he scored. Yeah. <laughs> when you compare that to the other numbers, it all just looks a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? Like, yeah, obviously that's over a 10-year period as opposed to a five-year, but it it still is, or probably more than that, to be honest. But it is it's still an absolutely farcical number of free kicks to have scored, yeah. isn't it? You know, you're up there talking Janino numbers at that point, and and Janino is the greatest free kick keeper of all time. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's that bend that that is is on them, and it's like at first he can hit them, and you're like, look straight, and then slowly it just bends away from the key. Sometimes goalies literally look disgusted at themselves for letting him get for letting him do it again. They're like. Why didn't I just stand over there? Obviously, he's going to curl it into that corner. I might as well have just walked over that. Sometimes you literally have seen goalkeepers just throw their arms up in disgust and walk away because they can't do anything. Like, you know Messi's going to score those free kicks. To be honest, a 9 out of 10 is, is an insult because he's a 10 out of 10. Um, Messi's just unreal at this. Um, yeah, disgusting free, tick, free kick taker, I'm it's going to call it. unbelievable. I, I can see what you're saying about uh, about penalty Sam and, and I guess when you, you take into account corners and things like that as well that you know he hasn't been you know always he doesn't always take corners to be honest no, he, you know no. he isn't one of those people that, that kind of demands I think every- he has recently hasn't he he's he has he's, recently. yeah recently he's basically been like everyone he's else is rubbish yeah he, he's decided <laughs> that no one else at Barcelona is worth their salt so he, he's just decided he's taken over but at that point it was you know, he is, he hasn't been a complete, I suppose, because he was like, I want to be on the edge of the box for corners or I, I want to be, you know, up within it. And and I guess that a pure set piece specialist wants to be on every single set piece that's going right. And that maybe does count against him as well. Maybe. I mean, look, prime Barcelona back to 2009 through 2011 and into 15 as well. All the best iterations of Barca that we've seen over the last decade or so. They took short corners every single time. They never really put the ball in the box. So he never really had that opportunity for at least three or four seasons of his career. They didn't actually do that. 
Yeah. So he would he would he would run over to the corner flag and collect the short corner and just recycle the ball and carry on. They'd just carry on passing. So he hasn't always had that opportunity. But I have I haven't I don't think I've really counted the corners against him. It's it's the mixed penalty record and the overwhelming quality of our number one, which has essentially decided this. Okay. All right. Well, mm. let, let's get into it then. Who have you who have you ranked ahead of Lionel Messi? Mm. <laughs> always a dangerous question isn't it (laughs) i'm worried Um, for you actually so one of the beauties of set pieces and this subject i decided was that i don't think it is as tied to like the level of football that a lot of other discussions are and i think you'd be mad to call our number one the best like creative midfielder in europe or in the world because he actually plays in the 12th best league in europe according to uefa but set pieces i figured were kind of like crystallized moments in time and an unopposed ball strike is an unopposed ball strike. It just takes so much out of the equation. And if you hit it well enough, it doesn't matter who the defenders are, who the goalkeeper is. If you hit it well enough, it goes in. And if you hit it well enough consistently, it causes carnage regardless of who you're playing against. So on that basis, I am comfortable saying that Dominic Joboslai of RB Salzburg is the best set peacetaker in Europe. Okay. All right. Let's let's wow. hear let's hear it. Tell us why. And tell us why he's better I, than Messi. I mean, those of you that are following us on Rank Squad would have seen us posting a couple of videos, some of the thunderbolts he hits. He's got this sweet, sweet right foot. And about 14, 15 months ago, we picked him as a breakout star, and he certainly has broken out. I mean, we even had a a, a question on him on Monday on the on the on the post box on Patreon. You know, should Arsenal sign him? That's how many waves he's making. But yes, the technique, the, the, te- the technique, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The technique is is so crisp but also so nonchalant at the same time. I don't really understand how he does it because the corners he takes, they look lazy. They look effortless, but they are pinpoint. They were to within an inch of wherever he's aiming all of the time. And he has all the variations and the free kicks. Like he's the most thrilling, thrilling free kick taker. I think I can, I, I can think of. And this, this, this year alone, he has scored from 40 yards against Turkey. He scored from 35 yards uh, for Salzburg, he has scored four free kicks and four penalties this year. Scored scored that many. And he's taken nine penalties in his life and he's never missed. And I went back and watched them all because I have the access to do that. And they're all brilliant. They're all brilliant. And I ran this through the terror test. So you know it's an objective decision. Like it wasn't just me. I ran it through the terror test. And he got a 10. And I can't really, I can't ignore that. Yeah, no, I think we've spoken at length about the way that he hits the ball, right? So... The way that he strikes it, especially even in open play, he comes across the ball and it moves in in ways that you haven't seen for a long time. You know, players straight in the lines. He almost has that kind of Rui Costa ability to just like dribble the ball in behind and, and allow it to reach a striker at any given point. And I, I do think we're talking about one of the like next great generation here. I don't think that he will be a Ballon d'Or winner, Dominic Sobislai. But I do think that we are looking at someone who will be a wherever where he, whether he goes to the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A or the Bundesliga I think we'll be looking at a player that is consistently team of the season that is that good he really is and considering he's so young his record from a dead ball is is sparkling it really is and and you watch him now in the, in the Champions League and and you watch him in in Europe and you think yeah this is this is someone who's a little bit special and Obviously, we spoke to Jesse Marsh about him, and it was just like the way that he that he works and the way that his mind works. It's almost like he sees the angles, and I see this in someone like Kevin De Bruyne, right? Where you look at Kevin De Bruyne, and you're like, "How have you picked that out? 
how have you seen the way that the ball is going to move in that direction to get across there? But the thing with KDB is off, it's much more often in open play. And I think that Sobazai sees that from dead balls, which is just absolutely incredible. Mm. Mm. When you look at his goals, so let's, let's look. Can he do the whip dip? Yes, he can. He can do the whip dip. <laughs> can he do the power pump? He can do a power pump as well. He can do one of those, like a Ronaldo power pump. He can hit those. A can knuckleball. Do, yeah, like a knuckleball. Can he do... A power pump do, sounds like something a lot worse. <laughs> he can do sneaky Susans, which is like he just does the little low ones around the wall, catches the keeper out like his near post. Bendy Wendy's, he can do them like Beckham. <laughs> he can do them all, can't he? he is, no, honestly, the, the, the way the good. way I ended up thinking about this was that his, his free kicks simultaneously feel vicious and delicate. Yeah. And I don't think I could say that about any of the others. No, no not since true. Klaus Jensen retired. <laughs> not since, yeah, that's true. That's true. Not since Klaus. Klaus Jensen retired. But I mean, if you haven't seen Jobas Lie take free kicks, any of you, then please go ahead and just YouTube it very quickly and you will uh, you will see what we mean. The dip, the whip dip, the bendy wendy. He's got it all. The power um, pump, the sneaky power Susan. Pump. It's but, all there. He's but, got it all. But without without wanting to devalue his claim with any more of Dean's nonsense, um, he, he is, I think he's no, the I best. Think, yeah. And I think that that is what I'm kind of saying, just yeah. in a stupid way, is that he can take different types of free kicks as well, whereas um, that's probably what Messi obviously can as well. But I think... What is even more impressive about Sobosly is like he's so young doing this right now. And I'm not saying Messi couldn't do this when he was a kid, because obviously he was not bad himself as a teenager. But it's the it's the confidence to go and do it right now and barely miss it. On the big stage as well, I think, which is which is impressive, right? Yeah. And you um, know, Sam, there are certain names here that, that have been missed out. And uh, I mean, I, I'd be interested to hear your honourable mentions. Yeah. OK, so I've got a little cl- a cluster of five here. Um, Only five. Well, I mean, I, I had a longer list, but I mean, yeah. it's not we're not this. Yeah, we're not here all um, day. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah. uh, was yeah. in the top five until I remembered Joshua Kimmich and really started to look into Kimmich. And I made the difficult decision to to shift Trent out. Um I don't know if that's if that's harsh or not. Obviously, he has corner taken quickly to his name, but he was also, you know, his one of his first starts for Liverpool was in a Champions League qualifier against Hoffenheim, and he scored an absolute beauty from about 25 yards, really announced himself. So his set-piece majesty is established. It's just tight at the top. Um, Kolarov has been, for a long, long time, very, very good at this sort of thing. That's who and, I would have had in ahead of and Kimmich. Yeah, and, uh, and I respect that, to be fair. Uh, Dimitri Payet has taken some of the best free kicks I've ever seen in my life. And if I hadn't really just been kind of, I don't know if he, I don't want to say fall into obscurity because that's just not the right word at all because he's playing for Marseille. But I guess if I'd been more abreast of him, maybe I may have put him in another day. And I think a little shout here for Luca Dean because Luca Dean is so good. And he's had his set pieces taken off him by James Rodriguez, who, I would argue was not as good at set pieces as Luca Dean, and I feel a little bit sorry for him. Got it in his contract, I think. Yeah, that's what happens when you sign him. I understand understand why it's happened, but I just feel a bit sorry for him. Yeah, Yeah, I think I think it's fair. Enes Bardi, I'd probably have in here of Levante and and Macedonia, North Macedonia, I should say. Um, He's a a wonderful free kick taker and and a real dead ball specialist, and you know does it all a little bit. And uh, I rate him highly, although potentially not playing at the same kind of level that, that a lot of these players are. And even if you even if you talk about Sobers like being in the 12th big in the best league, we've seen him do it on on Champions League stages. We've seen him do it in Europe. There is there's something to be said for that, I think. Also um, something to be said about the fact that I don't I haven't seen much Levante recently, so I didn't think of him. 
<laughs> yeah, Nabil Fekir used to be an incredible free kick taker. Has dropped off a little bit since joining Betis. Um, Sergio Canales takes a lot of free kicks there, um, but Nabil Fekir is is a very very good, a little bit like Kimmich. Doesn't often hasn't scored a lot from from free kicks in in recent times, but very good corner delivery and very good wide delivery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple there in the, the mode, but yeah, I would have had Kolarov ahead of ahead of Kimmich. I think, and I I think I would have also had Trent ahead of Kimmich purely because I think. Trent gives you what Joshua Kimmich does, but he also can score. Hmm. And and that I, I, think I reckon itself... Kimmich can score if he bothered to try. Yeah, but he <laughs> hasn't. So we can't we can't use that. That's not a thing. true. Yeah. True, true, true. I also did a little list of just corner takers who I like. A uh, little three, two, one. Luis Alberto at Lazio. Yeah, very good. Alex Telles, brilliant oh. corner taker. Alex Telles and... is a very good free kick taker as well. He is, but I just thought I just and a very good seen... penalty taker. Actually, he's a like, very he's, good set piece taker. Like, yeah, I mean, he deserve he deserves a mention in the, in this whole conversation. Um, and but the I, actually my favorite corner taker that's not included in my top five list is uh, is Tony Kroos, who's who I think he's brilliant from corners and doesn't really get to get a look in on the on the other set piece duties. Really, he doesn't take that many free kicks and things like that. As far as I'm aware, I don't think I've seen him do that much. But the corners are his, and he's very good at them. Did score that one for Germany against Sweden. Oh, oh yeah, that was yeah. I hated that. Yeah, that was oh. it was pretty mad though. Um, I hated it because he played rubbish all game. Yeah, but and, that's um, that's the mark of a quality player, isn't it? No, but then everyone spoke said he was, about everyone said he was brilliant. Yeah, okay. The the one that you're not going to mention that I would like to give an honourable mention is Freiburg's right back slash right winger Jonathan Schmid, who last year just decided that he was unbelievable at free kicks and scored eight in a row um, in the Bundesliga, <laughs> but but he probably doesn't quite have the uh, star power or pull to be included in your, in your, uh, yeah, I don't, I had not heard of him. Sorry, dude. Um, just before we finish, I just want to bring up um, a little story from the 2018 world cup where, which a lot of which Jack and I watched together uh, side by side. And Jack actually develops uh, for about a week. He had, he had I would the gift. He had the gift. Every time a free kick was given in the world in the 2018 world cup for the first week, he correctly called whether or not it was going in for about a week. Like I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. Like I'm not exaggerating. He would sit there. The free kick would be taken. He'd look at who stands up to take it. He'd go, that's in. And it'll go in every time. Or he'd say that's all, or he'd say it's not going in. It started with uh, Golovin, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, The opening game with Russia against Saudi Arabia started with Golovin and just carried on. And eventually the gift left him. Um, the, the the vision the sight it disappeared yeah. it was good to uh, know it was good at something it would have been dangerous for him to have it for longer than a week i think but for yeah. a week jack was out here just going in not in in and they were spot on every time yeah i wow. think it's i think it's probably came from my blood deep deep <laughs> down there but i haven't haven't seen that for a while so um hopefully it will return to me at some point so so that's good be handy um yeah it would be good for betting wouldn't it yeah um, but apart from that <laughs> you just have to be really quick on the buttons next goal scorer andrew golovin 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 yeah. <laughs> um, there we are well sam uh very good i i don't necessarily agree with all of it but but i think that you, you you've done your research and and that in itself is is testament to a good ranking and and i'm proud of you Thanks, mate. Yeah. Appreciate that. Neither I liked that. it. I liked it, mate. Dean, does that, I mean, I know we, we talked about set pieces and you haven't got the chance to talk about David Beckham yet. And I know how much you love David Beckham. So I thought I'd just give you the floor. Oh, thanks, mate. My favourite free kick taker of all time. My favourite, possibly my favourite player of all time. Oh, David Beckham's free kicks and crossing just generally was just unreal. Like the swing, 
the swing king, I guess I'll call him. Um, <laughs> no, he was he was brilliant. And he, like, who would I compare him to in that list? Actually, James Ward-Prowse, one of the problems he had was as soon as he came on the scene and England's young age groups and people noticed he was good at free kicks, they just started comparing him to Beckham. So that was one of his early problems because he did take them in quite a similar way. Beckham would like have a couple of sets. He'd like swing his left arm in the air and then just like ping one in his Adidas Predators. Um, and he didn't know if it was going top right or bottom left. That was the beauty of him. He could get it up and then either down or just arrow it into that far that far corner. Genuinely one of the best set piece takers of all time, David Beckham. I think Bex Beck is probably maybe closest to Trent of the players that we've mentioned. Yeah, I know people, compare, I know people compare them anyway in terms of the other stuff, but like I do crossing, feel like the, the, tra- the trajectory of, of these yeah. deliveries is probably quite similar to Trent. Probably the crossing, yeah. Obviously, Trent doesn't score like Beckham did, but yeah. I, I thought that first James Ward-Prowse free kick of the weekend was very similar to the Beckham versus Greece, exactly. wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah. very similar. And, and and that's obviously the one that's gone down in football folklore. And so for, for JWP to, to emulate it like that, I thought was was nice for him. So so yeah. fair play, fair play. Um, I also liked Beck's team, but he was no Janino. And, and and that's that's all I will say um, in regards to the greatest free kick taker of all time. Uh, I bow, I bow at the altar. Right, um, that is pretty much it for our main ranking. And Sam, you got a gibberish, and Dean, we've got a melon to do. We'll be back after the break. <laughs> fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for my favourite part of the show. Dee Jones, over to you. It's time for Melon of the Week. And this week's Melon of the Week is Barcelona goalkeeper Neto. It's another goalkeeper. It is another goalkeeper. And do you know what? I was really split for a, a little while here on possibly giving it to Gerard Piquet for giving him the ball in this situation. So for anyone that didn't see it, uh, Barcelona went 1-0 down to Alaves at the weekend. Obviously not having a good time with things anyway, Barcelona, but this really didn't help because Piquet did a back pass towards Neto. He shouldn't really have given it to him, to be honest, but I also don't think he realised quite how far, how, how close to him Neto had come. I'm not sure why he had either, to be honest with you. As he passed to Neto, Neto like, was like, oh no, I'm, what am I doing? I've got the ball stuck under my feet. As like a few touches and Luis Rioja's like, cheers, mate. One nil. Um, yeah, Neto. It was bad. Block. It was bad. There's it like, a, really there's like bad. a picture of, of Neto, just like the horror in his eyes as he's looking at the ball and that's gone past him and you could just see and you go, oh no. Yeah, I, I still don't think PK should have given it to him. I think he could have avoided it, but he was also like, oh, it's not my problem, Ego. Um, and Neto just never had that ball under control. It was proper melanish stuff, as Barcelona have been quite often recently. Yeah, I, I think this is the thing. Like Neto's got a hard job as it is covering. He's actually for, done quite well. Neto he's done okay, Henry, but but covering for Marc Andre Ter Stegen, who is one of the top five goalkeepers in the world, yeah. is never going to be an easy task. And no. Ter Stegen's been so crucial to Barcelona, just even staying level the last couple of years. Never mind kicking on. <laughs> Um, he, you know, his saves and his kind of consistency at the back has been so crucial. And for Neto to come in and do this, it, it felt, it did feel bad. I, I felt bad for him, but he is a melon. So, I mean, Sorry. what can Sorry, you do? Another goalkeeper, but they keep handing him on a plate. What can I do? Um, goalkeeper that did an anti-melon 
Kalor Navas for PSG the other week. Do you see he came out and started playing left back for a bit? Did and he? so in the Champions yep. League, he uh, he got the ball, he won a tackle, skipped round a player, started <laughs> dribbling down the left-hand side and played Moise Keane, who almost became a melon himself. But instead of your keeper's 35 yards out from goal, instead of just punting it down the touchline and chasing it, he decided to try and take on a player and lost the ball. And you were like, no, 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 no. Kaylon now is like sprinting back to goal, but he was brilliant. He got the ball under control, uh, beat a man. Looked up, shimmied one, played a really good pass into space, and was he keen to, to duck down? It was it was fantastic. Yeah, it was, so amazing to Luke see. Shaw. Amazing to see Luke the goalkeeper Shaw. do that, and uh, and then he passes it to the outfield player, and the <laughs> outfield player can't complete the take on, he can't <laughs> dribble past a player. The guy oh, literally built on speed and dribbling can't do it, but the goalkeeper who's like thirty five managed to do it. Yeah, fantastic. Crazy. Well done, Kaylor Navas, keeping faith in goalkeepers being able to play the ball everywhere. So very very enjoyable, right? One more thing left to do. That's the gibberish alarm. Is that your Sam? favorite part of the week? No, my favorite part of the week is Dean's Men of the Week. Oh, but favorite. I do like doing the gibberish alarm. Yeah. I, I, I I'll, take like I'll take second. I'll take second favorite. That. Okay. Yeah. This week's gibberish. Well, as I have mentioned a few times now, I have recently taken up golf. And I figured that it was time that Sam Tai, respected businessman, learnt the game of the businessman so also it's kind of really ideal for you know lockdown and stuff because it's naturally socially distanced but i've played three times in my life and by the time you listen to this actually i've played four because i'm off to my uh, first ever lesson after this recording that's in a few hours time very good and naturally i am finding the game difficult perplexing annoying Fun, too, sometimes, but mostly the other three words. So I've ranked the worst three things about golf for you. Okay, let's have it. And in at number three is the fact that it may just be the most counterintuitive sport going. And I found this really maddening. The harder you try and hit it, the shorter the distance the ball travels. Now, I appreciate why it's about technique and you can topspin it, you can thump it, you can hit the ground. But I can't really think of that many other sports that like the harder you try and hit the ball, it goes like three meters. Whereas if you like gently caress it through, it goes like 170. It makes no sense at all. Football, kick it hard, goes further. Ski, go faster. You finish quicker. Bowling, throw it hard, probably hits more skittles. Golf, hit it hard, two meters. How does that work? You're obviously better at bowling than me. Yeah. <laughs> what club are you using, Sam? Have you have you progressed to drivers yet? Are you on wed? Are you on? Please IM? tell me you haven't picked up a driver after yeah, you three times have, yeah. round. I have used a driver. You shouldn't have. I can't use a driver. I've been playing golf. No, for no, 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 no. Five years. It's, it's the same. It's the same with the irons, lads. I'm hopeless either way. Um, I've got my 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 longest ever shot according to the the tracking app is 177 yards, and I hit that with a driver. Um. But yeah, it's it doesn't matter Pretty which club. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter which club, guys. Um, anyway, into number two. They've put trees and lakes in the way on the course. I can't believe this. So you're asking me to hit this ball, like potentially three. No, you've played on a course already. 350 to 400 yards. Maybe par is four, right? And it's not even in a straight line because they put bends in the thing as well, haven't they? And not only have they done that, they've put trees in the course. So now, sometimes you have to go into a tree to... You know, you have to go and try and hit it out of the out of the undergrowth. There's branches above you. You can't hit it in the air. Sometimes your ball just falls into a lake. Why is the lake there? Why have they put a lake there? That just makes it harder. This is the sort of thing I don't get. Like the bunkers, fine. The bunkers are hard. The four-inch grass, fine. 
trees and lakes really yeah i, I think it's, it, the interesting thing is there's a rule in golf that if it's a man-made obstruction you're allowed to move your ball without penalty right you're allowed to like give yourself basically enough space to play the shot now i'm not being funny but the trees didn't plant themselves and those bunkers are not are, are definitely man-made there is no <laughs> chance that those bunkers have just decided to pop up randomly okay so so i think every time you hit a tree or a lake because they've definitely dug the lakes there isn't just like a random river flowing through the course like i, I believe that you should always be given the free relief because they've they've constructed these golf courses to make them difficult which means that everything is actually a man-made obstacle isn't it uh, i like that i mean in Happy Gilmore, doesn't it like the ball hits a car or something? And that's the rule of like, oh, it's a man-made obstruction. It hits yeah. like someone drives a car onto the course. And that I get, like there shouldn't be cars on the course, but there also shouldn't be trees. Yeah, I mean, come down as far as I'm concerned, come down. <laughs> right, so what's number one? This really okay. is nonsense today. Okay, the worst thing about golf is finding your ball. Yeah, okay. That well. is just soul-destroying. I mean... You hit the ball, it goes out of sight, goes over a tree, goes into a lake, goes around the bend. I'm not going into the lake to find yeah, the ball. Yeah, I was going to say, if it goes uh, into a lake, don't go and find it. I know, I'm aware, I'm aware that you don't have to... The golf bag's full of scuba equipment. <laughs> <laughs> but, you you know, the thing is, is like you have to wait for your companions, the people you're playing with, to, to all hit down the fairway before you can move down, right? For safety reasons. Everybody has to go and then you all move up together. And in, that can take up to sort of two straight minutes. And in that time, there is almost no chance that I'm going to remember where I hit my ball. And I definitely am not going to remember what it looks like, even though I'm using the same damn ball the entire time. Can't remember what's on it. So then it becomes Operation Try and Find Your Golf Ball. And it, it's amazing. It's like, it's about, it's usually about 50 meters where you think it is or from, from that area. And it's I only about two meters from you normally because you're trying to hit it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, dread, I dread to think how many hours we as a human race have, have lost and wasted looking for our golf balls. They just don't, they don't prepare you for this in the academy. No, they no. don't. You're right. You're right. It's a, it's a valid point. I think there are people who have like tracker apps and stuff, but those balls are well expensive. So like you can only really have them if you're good at golf. And then if you're good at golf, you don't need them because your ball's on the fairway rather than like six, like six months into the rough, which is, oh. <laughs> which is where I tend to tend to end up. So I, I agree with you, Sam. I, I have, I, I've, I've lost countless balls on, on golf courses and it is, it's a frustrating experience, but that's what keeps you going back. Apparently the frustrations. Yeah. We all love it. Don't we? Absolutely. The only reason I'm going to take up golf is because I'm thinking it's a good way to get a golf holiday and get away from the kids. That's the only yeah. reason I think that people at my age take up golf because it gets, there's no other way you're getting out the house for like four hours to play around a golf. And a couple of times a year, you might even get a chance to go over your mates for a while. Honestly, like I have to admit, like we're about to go into lockdown here in England. And I can tell you what, as soon as that's lifted, I might well be taking up golf as well. They know, well, honestly, I think there's a petition so that we're allowed to play golf through lockdown and uh, it looks like it might get a bit of a reprieve. So you might be in luck there. Um, but we should all be taking the Steve Bruce approach to international breaks rather than like coach or look at footage or do analysis or, you know, scout opponents. We should be going to the Algarve and playing around a golf. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Nice little nice business little meetings as well. We can do business meetings and we could probably pick up patrons as we go around. Yeah, yeah we can meet, meet friends, meet friends. Yeah. We'll get them drunk afterwards and then just sign up on their phones. Fantastic. Right. And, and then on that bombshell, <laughs> we're going to call this a day. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much, Mr. Samsai. 
Thank you. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. And if you haven't joined us on Patreon and you fancy more of this absolute nonsense three times a week, in fact, our, our Patreon episodes tend to be filled with more insight and, and more kind of fun than, than than even this. So you are you are really missing out if you're not if you're not on Patreon with us. Uh, <laughs> Sam's Friday spotlights, picking out games of the weekend and players to watch, and, and Monday's post box where we answer the best of your questions from the weekend uh, have both been going down exceptionally well. So do come and join us if you can over on Patreon uh, and if not we'll see you next week for those of you over there we'll see you on Friday enjoy the weekend enjoy the games and we'll see you soon take care bye fair play and fair value it's what playing at William Hill is all about William Hill it's who you play with Gamble responsibly. 